Hello, everybody, and welcome to Medical Spa Insider. This is Alex Tiersch. I am super excited today to have the founder and CEO of Titan Aesthetic Recruiting, Mary Beth Hagen, on the show. We're going to talk about aesthetic injectors, salaries for aesthetic injectors, what makes a good injector, and all sorts of things regarding aesthetic recruiting and placement. Hope you enjoy. All right. Mary Beth Hagen is on the AmSpa hotline here with Medical Spa Insider. I am very excited. Mary Beth, I can't believe it's taken us this long to actually get you on the podcast. We should have had you long ago. But how are you doing? What's going on? Oh, well, thank you, Alex. It's exciting to be here today. And I, I appreciate your interest in the things that we're doing at Titan and supporting um, those medical spas and the non-physician injectors. And yeah, it's been a little bit crazy with all of the COVID stuff and trying to adapt what we do every day and how we best support all of our customers in the industry. So. Yeah, just and by way of a little a little context, uh, it's April 23rd. So we are right in the middle of this this COVID um, nonsense that has been going on for now, it seems like, gosh, too, close to two months. Um, what, yeah, I mean, what are you, you're up in Minnesota, correct? Is that, is that right? That's correct. I live in a little town called Northfield. It's about 20 minutes south of the Twin Cities and um, work at home with my, similar to what you have, I have a cat and two dogs that keep me company and oh, nice. um, spend a lot of time on the phone on my computer. Yeah. What's, I mean, what's been, I mean, with, the, with um, the coronavirus and all the, the, these issues that have come up in the last couple months and, and, you know, quarantining and all that, what's, how is that affected you and, and how are you holding up and, and, and how's it changed your business at all? You know, I think like everybody else, I am working incredibly hard and mm-hmm. making no money. <laughs> yep. um, for me, to be quite honest, Alex, it's been a conscious decision on my part not to charge for anything that I'm doing during this time because I don't feel like, you know, our entire industry is shut down right now. Right. And with all of our customers not being able to work, I don't feel that I should be profiting in any way from this. But that doesn't mean that I haven't taken the time to reassess the business, reassess how we can support the industry, how we can provide resources um, in a different format going forward to really help support all the patients that have been out there, all the injectors that have been out there and getting safe and reliable outcomes. Yeah. So... It's not making a, money, but busier than ever, and and actually loving the time I'm getting to spend with customers. Yeah, I'll, I'll. I mean, you're probably you're probably a lot like like I am. We were talking right before we jumped on. I mean, it's 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 like when this all happened, we got suddenly even more busy and, you know, revenue fell completely off the table. And um, at the same time, um, you know, it's 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 like been a nonstop scramble to get people what they need. But I, I it's 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 also it's it's nice to know that we can we can help a little bit and get people some things that they're that are looking for. So um, and by the way, congratulations. The, the reason we had you on right now um, was you, you have been releasing your um, aesthetic injector compensation survey, 
which yeah. has come out and has been published for last year for 2019, and you're currently gathering data for 2020. This, for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, um, you should immediately go and download it and get I think it's for, available for purchase. Is that right, uh, Mary Beth? It is. So, and you go to um, the aesthetic or the Titan Aesthetic Recruiting website and get that sucker because it really provides a ton of insight. And for those of you who have our survey, there's a lot of interplay between the two of them. I spent a good hour and a half, two hours today going through your your um, your survey. And so congratulations on getting that together. I think it's a it's going to be super helpful for the industry. I can't wait to see what 2020s brings. But um, talk a little bit about the process of putting that together and how you uh, how you decided that you wanted to, to do that. You know, when I started Titan Aesthetic Recruiting in the summer, spring, summer of 2017, I, I have no background in recruiting. All of my experiences in working within the aesthetic industry from the sales and marketing side. But what I quickly learned was that as I talked to employers and as I talked to injectors, that one of the key questions everybody asked was, what should I be making or what should I be paying my injectors? Yes. And as I looked around, I realized there was no data to answer that question. And we really didn't have any idea from a national standpoint of what the norms were yep. for paying injectors. What should they make? What do they make? How do they get paid? And so I was lucky enough to work with Gordian Solutions Group, who is the same group that does the AMSLA survey. Yep. And the thing that I love about working with them is that Brian Poltonovich, who owns the company, used to run market intelligence for Metasys, yes. which became Galderma. And his knowledge of the aesthetic industry and you know of the importance of non-physician injectors was really key in helping us frame the original survey, which was fielded back in 2018. So we have data. Um, we did one in 2018, one in 2019, and now we're doing 2020. And we gather the data to look at you know, what people made in the previous year. Right. So I think this is going to be super important to get the data this year. And as you said, the survey is now live because we really need to have a benchmark of pre-COVID compensation. You know, how much did injectors make? How did they get paid? And what was the gross service revenue that they brought to a business or to a clinic that helped support the compensation that they earned? Yes. And there were so many interesting things um, in the report that I want to dive into. Um, before we get into that, though, I, I want to kind of step back a little bit because you're, you, you come um, from the industry. So you've been in the industry for, for a long time and you were with... Um, uh, you were with, with, with Allergan, correct? Medicis and then Allergan. Yep. And that's how you kind of got your, your start. Um, one of the things that we've talked about in the past that I, I that you do that I find to be um, incredibly fascinating and interesting, and, and I would love for you to touch on it, is you know, you're part of this, you have a, a recruiting and a placement service and you're kind of a matchmaker for aesthetics, which I think is a brilliant idea, by the way, because there's such a need for it. Um, and Thank you. what, um, but one of the things that you do is, is screen prospective injectors, aesthetic injectors. And so before we dive into the specifics of the report, um, and what people are making and, and, and some of the cross references and things like that, which I think is everyone's going to find interesting. I would love for you to tell, 
um, the listeners kind of what we had talked about a while back when when you get into screening injectors, I asked you, you know, what's the based upon kind of just the psychology or or or, or when you interview injectors, you can tell pretty quickly whether or not somebody is going to be a good injector, right? I've got a pretty good idea of it. Yeah. yeah. And and then you do a test. And so ultimately you, you, you kind of get a, a sense for whether or not someone's going to be a, a good quality injector. And what is it that goes through that process and, and what makes a good aesthetic injector? Well, what we found through the years is that the people who are really good aesthetic injectors, whether they're physicians or non-physician injectors, they tend to have a certain set of innate competencies and aptitudes. And years ago, I had a dermatologist come to me and he said, Mary Beth, I hire all of these PAs and I train them all to inject the same way. And some of them are great at it and some of them never get it. Mm -hmm. So can you help me figure out which ones are going to be good before I put all the time and energy into training them? And it was such a great question. And, you know, I gave him a couple of suggestions and ideas that were just kind of Mary Beth gut logic suggestions, and they mm-hmm. seemed to work. And so years later, when I was getting ready to leave Allergan and loved Allergan, loved Metasys, was very grateful to be you know, on the industry side. But I'm not good competitively, and I love to help people. Mm-hmm. And so I've watched so many injectors try to get into the business. I've watched so many businesses try to hire good injectors. And I thought, wow, if I can take that seed of an idea of how do we identify a good perspective injector and then help bring the right people into the industry, the ramp up time will be slower, the training time will be easier, and certainly the outcomes will be better for patients. And so we took those pearls and created the Titan Aesthetic Screening. And that is something that we do with all of the candidates that we present to any prospective employers, but it's also something that we offer on an a la carte basis that employers can just call and say, I've got this great person. Can you screen them and just kind of give me a second opinion? Mm -hmm. And this screening, like, what is it, I mean, what does it tell you? And you don't have to give me the specifics, but just like, what's your, what's kind of the high level um, conclusions you can draw Mm -hmm. when you're done with this thing? Well, there are four pieces to the screening, Alex, and it's all done on the phone. It takes a little bit over an hour, and I like it that I can't see what they look like. So I've found that people sometimes are very biased by what a candidate looks like, and they don't really look into those innate competencies and aptitudes. Mm -hmm. So we do four things. We ask them to take a right-left brain quiz. So we see kind of where does their process balance lie. My gut was that people who are going to be good providers in aesthetics would probably be pretty much middle-brained, that they would have enough left-brain activity to be really good, precise, and safe injectors or medical clinicians, but they would have enough right-brain activity to be artistic and creative and to communicate well. And the second part is that we want to do an aptitude assessment. And we really look for three things in this part. We talk to them and learn about who they are and what motivates them and the type of work environments that they like. But we're looking for, can they work and play well with others? Because mm-hmm. face it, aesthetics is totally a continuum of care, and we've got to work together as a team. Right. Second, we, we look to see if they can sell. Because, you know, these are not, ex- not cheap procedures. Right. And so you want to make sure that somebody can educate, but they are also okay asking somebody for money. 
And how do you, but how do you go about thing, finding that out? Just real quick before you get to the third thing. <laughs> I mean, that's we that, give them, it's the secret sauce. No, I'm go ahead. Yeah, we give them a lot of you know, tell me about a time question, okay, or explain to me how you do this. Um, we do screen existing injectors and we screen potential injectors, what okay. we call naive injectors. And if they're an existing injector, we'll say, tell me how you do this in your current practice. Gotcha. And if they're a potential eject- injector, we ask them for, tell me how you talk about money at home. Have you ever sold Girl Scout cookies? Have you ever worked in a retail shop? Because we want to see if they are comfortable talking about money mm-hmm. or if that's something they're going to shy away from. And are there, are the there certain thing, things, I, I'm, I'm sorry, no, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Go no, ahead. Well, I was going to say that the third thing we look for is just simply if they understand what the job is. Right. Because I think there are a lot of people that have misperceptions about the enormity of the aesthetic provider job and how yeah. much you have to know and how much training you have to do. And, and, and we want to make sure they really understand you don't just go to a weekend course and then, oh, hey, now I'm going to be an injector. Yeah, no kidding. Um, there's a, there's a lot of that going around too, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah. but I, I I wanted to follow up. So, because the idea of money and selling and asking for money from 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 clients is one of the things that I hear all the time from our members and from people in the industry. That is one of the hardest things to teach. Right? It's very difficult to get someone comfortable with that. Um, and what are some of the? I'm curious like what are some of the things when you're talking to them about money spending or how they talk about money at home or how they approach it what are some of the characteristics of uh, of someone who's going to be able to pick that up and be able to do it that you can that you can kind of recognize immediately and and see that this is a good candidate for potentially being an injector we ask them to tell us the difference between selling and educating And if somebody says they're the exact same thing, that's something that needs to be delved into a little bit more because there's a good chance that they're going to say, I'm just going to educate them and then they're going to want it because I'm a good educator. But that doesn't give you the whole picture of, yes, here's why you want it because I've educated you well, but now let's talk about can you afford it and let's create a treatment plan where we prioritize the important parts of it based on what your budget is. Because that's part of that communication skill that the great injector has to have. Yeah. That and the eye. You know, the yes. eye is the third part of what we go into in the screening. And we, we look at what they see. And we do that using pictures. But then we also ask them about hobbies. Mm-hmm. And we ask them what they do that might be artistic. And not in that many words. But what I really look for is people who tend to be great injectors have artistic hobbies that just naturally come out in their life. So those are some of the things that we look for. We look for how do they think about things? What is their attitude toward working and working with others and mm-hmm. working in aesthetics? We ask them about their, we, we delve into their aesthetic eye and then we look at their hobbies and their aesthetic aptitudes. They just kind of live in their life. Yeah, no. And that's, that's so interesting. Cause like the, and, and, and what about, the 
prior injecting experience? I mean, I've heard a lot of trainers and a lot of med spa owners, and this I feel like is trending more and more as we go. Unless you can find someone who's really, really, um, really experienced, um, most people tend to want to find somebody who's brand new and train them in the way that they want to train them, as opposed to try to find someone who's already got habits and break those habits. What's your What are your thoughts on that? Boy, Alex, I wish that I could have primarily clients that would say, help me find that great person that has all the right aptitudes and <laughs> let me train them because that is going to give a med spa owner or a physician the best potential injector that is going to have really good loyalty to that person and understand what they're getting into. Right. What I tend to find with people who are more experienced injectors that come to me looking for positions now, if they're moving across the country, that's one thing. They're they're usually fantastic, and they're easy to place, and I love it. But sometimes somebody who is experienced, they usually leave and, and use a recruiter to leave for two reasons. Either, number one, they're looking for more money. And my concern is always that if they're ready to leave one practice and go to another practice for more money, well, then that new practice they go to is at risk of losing that injector if somebody else comes and offers them more money. And right. that makes me uncomfortable because I, I'm a very loyal person and I want yep. people, when I place them or help them find a position, I want them to fall in love with it and want to be there you know, for a really long time. Um, the other thing that I find sometimes is if people are jumping around that they may not be a good team player. They may have great skills, but they may be somebody who's more comfortable working on their own, and a lot of times in a med spa environment, we really have to have all the employees rely on each other to give that good continuum of care to their patients, and you need a good team player for that. Yeah, it's 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 one of the most, if not the most important thing. Um, this is such a relationship-based business, and if you can't play <laughs> well with others, you're just, you're, you're not going to make it, and it's going to be damaging. So um, what... Uh, kind of last question on 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 this subject because I want to get into the survey because I'm, I'm fascinated by it. <laughs> but um, this okay, is so, I love talking about the screening too. No, so. this is like so interesting to me because it's such like it's there's such a need for cosmetic injectors in this space, and it, and and I shouldn't even say that there's such a need for quality injectors in this space. There's so many that are coming in that are learning, um, you know, in a weekend course from a dentist or something like that, and then go out into the field and think that they're ready to go. Um, and, and when that's the number one thing that I get from, from our members is how do I find a quality injector? And so there, there's such a need for it, but are there, for the folks that are out there, um, right now. And eventually, we're, you know, COVID is going to pass, we're going to get back to normal, and we're going to go back to being the robust growth that we've had for, for, the, for the past 10 years or so, I'm sure of it. Are, are there one or two like red flags when it comes to whether you're screening or if you're advising somebody on hiring an injector, where you, where you say, if, if they do X, you need to pull the plug immediately, or if they do Y, you need to follow up more because this is a red flag? Yeah. That's a great question, Alex. And, you know, speaking of post-COVID, one of the things I think we're going to see, so many businesses have had to lay off employees, furlough their injectors, and as they come back, they probably aren't going to need as many injectors or they may be reassessing their business. So I'm hoping that, you know, if it would be a benefit to any employers that the Titan Aesthetic Screening may be able to help them identify which people might 
really be the right ones to help them move their business forward post-COVID. So right. the things that I would suggest people really look for, you know, whether they're using the Titan screening or just interviewing people themselves, number one, make sure that they are a cultural fit for your organization. Because there are people who are great injectors, but if they don't have that teamwork environment, if they don't have the business growth that you're looking for, if you have a older clientele in your um, clinic population and they want to do selfies all day long, they might not be the right fit you know, mm-hmm. or vice versa. So you really want to make sure that you know if you're a family organization and you expect people to like and spend time together, you don't want someone that says, I'm coming in, doing my job and leaving. You, you want to make sure they're a cultural fit. Right. The second thing that you want to make sure in looking at this is, do they understand what's happening in the business environment right now? Um, and, and I encourage business owners as well as injectors to really go back after COVID and have conversations about the business health of the practice where they're working. Because there are practices where they have been able to make a lot of money before that they're going to be servicing debt and have not had a couple of months now of income to help service that debt. Businesses are going to have to, you know, be reassessing Do we have outstanding um, bills and, and do we have to buy product? Have we bought machines and we have to pay on that? So they may need to restructure some of how they pay their employees. And you want to make sure that the injectors and the business owners are comfortable having that conversation and that an injector coming back um, understands what the business owner may be dealing with. Yeah. And it's okay helping to support them through that. And I think the third thing is just making sure that they've done something to help build their skills. Um, there have been so many resources and so many activities to help build and grow clinical skills and safety skills and anatomy knowledge um, while we've all been home with COVID. And I guess I would be a little bit concerned if I had an existing injector and had, they hadn't spent any time doing some skill update. Yeah. So those would be the three things I would look for. Yeah, that's that's great advice. What, what's interesting about what you said, too, is, is that um, – it almost takes from the owner's perspective, it takes some introspection, meaning they have to be able to identify and understand what their own culture and what their own clientele is in order to be able mm-hmm. to identify whether a prospective injector is going to fit because that's easier said than done, right? I mean, a lot of people just think, um, oh, yeah, they're going to be a great fit. Well, I mean, they might be a great fit for a med spa that you see on Instagram, but not for you. Um, and then secondly, you know, understanding that business side of things and being able to convey that and, and, and understand whether the injector is on top of the business side of things is also difficult because we found, you know, in my, in my travels and at the boot camps that we do and all the events that I go to, you know, most med spa owners, most plastic surgeons, most dermatologists do not have a good handle on their business. So asking them to say, okay, you know, Tap into your business and make sure that the injector knows about the business. At the same time, make sure that you know that they fit in with your culture. Um, the first part of that is getting it yourself, right? I mean, the business owner has to figure that out themselves. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> and it's just not so yeah. easy for people because they really, well, that's the one thing that I've always noticed is that there's just such a dearth of business. It really is a dearth of business knowledge, but, or it is. They had a good handle on it at one point, and then they've stepped away from it. Yeah. Um, I'm always shocked the number of physicians that I speak to who have had someone embezzled from them. Yeah. And, you know, 
Bruce Maller, who runs BSM Consulting, mm-hmm. does a great job of talking to business employers and says, look, in my business with my own consulting company, I spend time every quarter going through the P&L with my employees. So they understand, here's where we are, here's what our expenses are, here's what we make. And so they they don't have that kind of that. I think it's really great for business owners and for employees to understand each other's perspectives. Right. And I guess that goes back to part of why we did the compensation survey. I really wanted to provide some data where business owners and injectors could have that compensation conversation and understand a little bit more about, you know, what keeps a, a business solvent and, you know, what do you need to bring in as a producing injector employee to be able to ask for more take home if you get to that point. Right. So. Well, thank you for that segue. Cause that was like, that's just, <laughs> was perfect. <laughs> Cause. <laughs> I uh, was trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. From your survey, and so this is, we'll, we'll talk about your, the, the 2019 survey. I know you're collecting, you're collecting data right now, um, which will hopefully be ready to go. When is the 2020 survey going to be, going to be ready? Do, do you have any idea yet? The survey is open right now for people to respond it. And what we're looking at is to have anybody who is a active injector aesthetic provider. We, we ask for people to be either RNs, NPs, or PAs. We ask for them to do at least 50% aesthetic treatments or more, and we ask for at least 40% of that time to be injections and not just like co-sculpting or other treatments. Um, so we will collect the data. We opened it right around the first week in April, and we'll leave it open till about Memorial Day. And once we gather that data, we've had over 200 people complete the survey. I, I have to knock on wood and say I would very much like to have um, over 500 this year if we can. But we should have that data available, um, hoping to have it in time for the Aesthetic Extender Symposium in August. That's if we great. all get to go to that. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, what's interesting about, you know, our, our prior conversation about finding good injectors is that, you know, if you're a good, experienced injector, and, and, and what I like about your survey is that what you just talked about, the, kind of the pre-qualifications, you have to be an RN, a PA, or, or, or an NP, and you have to actually have some experience in aesthetics. So it's like if, if it's, it's not like you're talking about brand new injectors off the street who don't, who have not even started. These are, these are folks who have really been, who have been in the industry for a period of time, which I think is great because it shows kind of where you can go in this industry. And what, what I say that because, um, it's like it's a it's a lucrative industry if you're a good injector. the The average for 2019 I think was 150 thousand, right? That's kind of the average earnings. Right. Um, just under that. Yep. Just under that, um, which is I mean, which is phenomenal. I know a lot of um, a lot of healthcare providers who would love to be making 150 thousand a year. Um, and if you're a nurse, you know, if you're working at the ER right now or or wherever, it, that that's an attractive potential career for you, especially given that you can also be a business owner and things like that. What was it? I'm curious from the 2019 results, and I'll put you a little bit on the spot here. Um, what was it that surprised you the most about the data that you that you found? And I did not prep you for that question, so I apologize. No, I know. And, well, and I, I'm, I'm quiet because I'm really trying to think. The funny thing about this, and I, I've been in this industry for almost 20 years, so forgive my, my long-term thoughts on this, but 
when we first started doing this survey, I told Gordian Solutions Group that my team there, I think we are going to find that no two people get paid the same. Mm -hmm. And they laughed at me and said, oh, no, you know, I think we're going to find there's some trends or you're going to find there's some things there. And Brooke called me when we got all the data in and she goes, okay, I know you told us this is what we were going to see, but I really didn't believe you, (laughs) but you're right. We didn't have two people who answered the same on what they get paid and how they get paid and how it is calculated. So I don't know if that was a surprise to me, but I think it surprises almost everybody else that I speak with because the question that I get over and over and over is, what is the norm? What is the average for what injectors should make? What is the average for what I should ask for? And there really isn't, you know, this is the norm. Right. But what we can say is, yes, the average injector in the United States, regardless of credentials, regardless of how long they've been in the industry, regardless of where they inject, is a little over $149,000. But that average is making about $700,000 a year in gross service revenue. So patients pay them over $700,000 a year for the services they provide in order for them to earn that money. And on average, they work 37 to 40 hours a week. So you're not going to make that money if you're like, I want to work part-time, I want to work four days a week. I mean, people who want aesthetic services, they're going to come in on the evening. They're going to come in on the weekends. You know, they usually have jobs and they have to go to their jobs. So they need to go get these services at non nine to five times. So, you know, a, a good aesthetic provider is going to be you know, available on weekends and they're going to be available on evenings and they're going to really, you know, this is a cash business. So they really are going to cater to those patients in order to earn those better and more lucrative compensation plans. Right. So you're, you're not going to make 150,000 working part-time obviously. And so you're going to have to put in the time and then your experience level matters too, right? I mean, as, as you mm-hmm. have done it for longer, there's a direct correlation. And this doesn't, I don't think will surprise anybody to the amount that you make. Um, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And, and tenure is, is interesting in two ways. Number one, the longer that you've injected, you're going to make more money. But also, the longer you're with one practice, you usually make more money. So we look at those, you know, kind of tenure two ways. We look at how long have you been injecting? But we also look how long have you been at the same practice. And there are a lot of physicians, a lot of businesses that, you know, they've worked out a very good, um, I guess, support with each other. Um, A great aesthetic provider can provide really great annuity income for a practice or for a physician um, without the practice of the physician having to do a lot other than provide, you know, a, a great practice for them to offer their services in. But... You know, also a great aesthetic provider, they should be able to have the opportunity if they're bringing in a million dollars or so in gross service revenue to see some of the fruits of their labor and being able to look at a little bit more with that. So, yeah, the longer you've been injecting, the larger client base you have, the more that you have. This is such a word of mouth industry. And I may be getting off topic here, but I, I would love to chat at some point about you know how do people find an injector and how do these great, well-paid injectors actually how do they build their practices? Yeah, that's 
Well, we could probably talk. We could do this for three or four hours, I think, and be and have time to spare. So, um, well, uh, so let's 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 hold that and 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 get back to it because one of the things that I um, noticed, and I noticed a few of the same things that that you did, of course, in part because I read your analysis as well. But um, the there there seems to be so many different ways that people pay their injectors. It it does seem to me though that most of the injectors who are well paid do seem to incorporate some sort of performance based model into their package. Meaning it's not just you're getting a salary and that's it. There's there's either a commission, which is a big no no in my in, in, in the legal world, but nevertheless it's done and it's probably the norm. In fact it is the norm. Um, yeah. or or it's a structured bonus of some sort that's based upon uh, based upon production. Um, the what what surprised me though surprised me was mm-hmm. although that's the case so a lot of these these injectors are being paid based upon performance or or on on you know what they're generating it there was i think it was you said 40% of the injectors didn't even really know how their employers were calculating their compensation or yeah, didn't they did. which is just or fascinating. They didn't know how much gross service revenue they were bringing into the practice. Right. They didn't even know how much they were bringing into the which is just which is fascinating to me. I mean, was that surprising to you as well? Yes, in a way, but no in another way. And again, just because businesses pay so differently. I mean, some people pay on gross. You know, you look at, okay, you get X amount of additional compensation because you brought in this much money over a set threshold. Um, You know, other people pay on net. Well, then how you calculate the net is different. You know, do you take, okay, here's what the patient paid minus only the cost of goods that were used for that service. Do you include into, you know, the net, do you subtract out, Benefits, do you subtract out vacation time? Do you subtract out use of, you know, heat and rent and insurance and the front desk expenses? You know, there's so much that is variable in calculating a net that that's why I think sometimes it's hard for some injectors to know how they pay because they don't, if they're paid on net and they don't know how net is calculated, they don't know how they get to the number they get. Um, and then some are paid from dollar one. You know, you get a commission based on X amount of revenue that you bring in from the first day you start. Others have thresholds that they need to hit. You know, somebody may say, okay, you have a salary of $75,000 a year, so I need you to bring in three times your salary or four times your salary in gross service revenue before I'm going to pay you commission because I need to make sure that your salary is covered before I start paying out extra money in commission. So those are just some of the ways that I hear people talk about pain. You know, you mentioned the difference between commission and productivity bonuses. Um, and it, it's interesting to me, and you're the attorney, so please jump in with any commentary. But, you know, some states very much say commission is illegal and is fee splitting, and others say it's completely fine. Um, in other places, you know, a nurse practitioner may have independent practice authority. So they are a provider, so they're getting the fee, so theoretically it's not fee splitting. Right. I don't know. That's one of those things I, I always refer them to you, Alex, with questions on that part. <laughs> well, don't 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 refer them to me. I don't know what the hell's going on. 
No, yeah, it's, it's a very hard thing to figure out. But it's, yeah, it's so but true. We look at people getting paid either an hourly or a salary, and then usually they also get paid either a bonus you know, or a commission, and that is usually what makes up the total compensation that we report in the Titan Compensation Survey. Yeah, and that was you. You went exactly where I was was going to go because I, I feel like you're right. There's so many different ways, and it's it's frustrating to a lot of business owners in this industry because they want there to be a, a norm. They want to know, mm-hmm. you know, what's, you know, is it 20% commission? Is it 10% commission? You know, however you call it, whether you call it a bonus or a commission, um, commission is generally a no, no. Most States have, have prohibitions against commissions or, um, you know, anti, anti kickback laws, which kind of tie into fee splitting, but nevertheless, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's how it's done and there's, there's ways to do it. So I'm not, I don't get too wrapped up in that. Um, but people want to know like what the norm is and it's, it's really tough cause there's, there, there's not one, but it does seem like most of the time it's some sort of a base. And then, so whether it's hourly or salary, and then on top of that, you're calculating either a bonus, a commission, whatever you want to call it, on top of that based upon productivity. Um, yeah. did you, have you noticed, though, are there any like kind of <clears throat> benchmarks that folks should be adhering to when it comes to determining what that productivity bonus should be or the, or the commission should be? Because I, I've seen it all over the place like like or is it just really kind of willy-nilly and you've got to figure it out as you go well your costs are going to be different everywhere and the experience and, and what you need to pay an injector is going to be different everywhere but what i like to i guess i have one example that i like to run all of the business owners through when i'm talking to them about how to think about compensation and i tell them let's start with looking at an injector who should make about $2,000 a day in terms of gross service revenue. That would be maybe a couple neurotoxin appointments and maybe one filler appointment. So, you know, two to three appointments a day, they should be able to bring in about $2,000. If they're working five days a week, that's $10,000 a week. And let's just say they work 48 weeks a year if you take out, you know, vacation and holidays and things like that. But you're basically looking at that person bringing in about 48 I mean, about $480,000 a year in gross gross revenue. Now, you take that, you know, $480,000 a year, and let's just round up to half a million just to make easy math. Mm -hmm. So in the aesthetic world, if they're doing a lot of injectables, you're really looking at about 50% of that half a million dollars being cost of goods and supplies. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're looking at neurotoxins, you're looking at fillers, you're looking at, you know, Kybella, you're looking at a lot of what we're looking at with the injectables. So you just have about, on average, it's about 50% cost of goods over the, yeah. over across and, the you know, we're looking at supplies and ice packs and yeah. syringes and you know, hyaluronidase and all that stuff. Right. So now your half a million dollars that that injector just brought to the practice is down to 250. Right. Well, now you're going to have, if this is a full-time employee, you're probably going to have benefits, you're going to have vacation, you're going to have insurance, you're going to have that front desk person, you're going to have somebody emptying the waste baskets. <laughs> so yep. you've got probably another $50,000 worth of expenses for having that service in your practice and having that provider. Right. So now that half million dollars is down to $200,000. And so 
so how I try to chat with both injectors and with and business owners is saying, if you're at that half a million dollars in gross service revenue, I really think at that point, you know, you split that. The business gets half of that and the injector gets half of that. So I coach injectors to tell them that, look, you need to think about bringing in $2,000 a day in gross service revenue, you know, working full time in order to bring home about $100,000 a year in revenue or in compensation for yourself. Right. And that makes them really think about, oh, I have to bring in this money because, you know, we're not in therapeutic medicine. They're not going to just bill an insurance company and get paid no matter what happens. If you bring an aesthetic provider on, the only way there's money to pay that provider is if they're providing services that bring in revenue. Right. I. So that's how I walk through it. That's, I absolutely love that. Um, and it really crystallizes the need for both parties, you know, the employer and the injector, to be able to understand the basic business mechanism of the practice, which is mm-hmm. because I, we, we, you know, all the time we'll hear injectors saying, I deserve 50% of gross off the top because I'm the one bringing in the people and they don't understand that there's all these other things that go into it and at the same time, um, you know, paying 10% of the net might not be enough if the injector is bringing in $500,000 or 700,000 or over a million dollars in revenue a year. Um, what you just broke down though, typically it's, you've got about one fifth of the total revenue goes to salaries. Is that a rule? Is that, is there any kind of rule of thumb where you say, you know, a good, a a fair salary for an injector is, you know, one quarter of, of gross or one fifth of gross or anything like that? You know, that's a good question. And I've never really looked at it that way. I tend to break it down into $250,000 increments when I'm talking to employers and injectors. So you look at the survey data that showed that to make $150,000 a year, you need to bring in about $711,000 to $750,000. So I think you can look at, okay, if they bring in a half a million dollars, you're probably going to look at them bringing home about $100,000. If an injector brings in about $750,000, you know, they're probably going to be closer to that $150,000 mark. But once they go over a million, you know, the business owner doesn't have any more cost at that point. And in fact, if that injector is not happy and decides to go look for additional, you know, or alternative employment, that is a huge you know, amount of revenue and annuity revenue that can walk out the door. So that's where I think it's really important for an injector and a business owner to have a really good relationship and understand that if that injector is bringing in over a million dollars a year, you probably want to pay them a lot more (laughs) so that they stay. And, you know, both parties, you know, at that point, maybe the injector has a little bit more of, of what that net looks like. So I, I never want to tell somebody what they should be paying someone. I always joke that as a consultant, my job is to ask the questions that help them identify their goals and their objectives for their business so that then they can create the answers that are going to help them create the situation that they need so that they reach their business goals and they keep themselves happy and they keep their employees happy. 
And I do the same thing with the injectors. I want people to be happy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a great goal. Um, what, um, <laughs> do you encourage, and I've heard, you know, both sides of this coin or this argument, um, do you encourage your, when you're consulting with employers, did you encourage them to sit down with their uh, injectors and employees in general and really kind of go through the books and the P&L and, and, and break down the, the different things that the different costs that are that are coming out so that they can see the true profit that's coming in from their their, their work. And I ask that because I feel like there's there's there's, you know, there's two arguments there. One, it's great. It's, it's great because you can show them what's going on. But at the same time, if, if they discover that the business owner is making, you know, $250,000, in profit off them, they're going to say, well, I should be making way more than I'm making. Well, what, what are your thoughts on that? I'll be quite honest. Um, keep in mind, I run a company that supports non-physician aesthetic injectors. So I, I want to say that, that at least I have, if not a bias, at least a fair balance in looking at them. If a business owner is making $300,000 off of an injector, I would hope that the injector is also making at least three hundred or $350,000 because they're probably bringing in close to $2 million in gross service revenue. Right. And, yeah, if they're not, then the injector may be looking elsewhere and the business may not know it. Right. So I guess I want to... I always want to tell both business owners and injectors, don't assume the other is bad. <laughs> and try to really have a great cultural awareness where you guys can talk about things. And every time I have a injector call me and say, I'm not getting paid enough money. You need to help me figure out how to renegotiate. The first thing I ask is, what are you bringing in in gross service revenue? What are you bringing to that practice? Mm-hmm. Now I say... What are you taking home? And I walk them through that example that I gave you. And I'm shocked the number of people who are bringing in $400,000 a year, but they're in gross service revenue, but they're taking home one hundred twenty-five, one hundred fifty, and they think they're underpaid. And so yeah. a lot of why I do the compensation survey and love to have this data, you know, as part of the conversation is I want injectors to understand how expensive it is to run a practice and how risky it is to run a practice. Um, One of the things that I am not a big fan of injectors trying to also run their own practice by themselves. It's a lot harder than they think. And it's not that I don't want them to or think they should. I just think they need to really understand the risks. I mean, right now, can you imagine if you're an injector and you run your own practice and you've got all those bills mm-hmm. and you've got no income for two months? And I think a lot of people think that it's a lot easier and that there's a lot more money in it than there is. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm curious when you um, you mentioned that there's a you're you're shocked at the amount of injectors who are bringing in four hundred thousand or three fifty and they're 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 taking home one fifty. When you go through this exercise with them, or think they should be, <laughs> or think they should be right, yeah. and talk to them about the the reality, do 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 most of them get it and say, okay, I, I this this now makes sense to me. On the one hand, and then are, are there some who are just like who just don't get it and think they should be making that money anyway? You know what? Ninety nine point nine percent of them 
had no idea. First of all, they don't have any idea how expensive the products are. They they think that there are lots of deals out there on the neurotoxins and the fillers. They think that they don't realize that the cost of running a machine is not just the disposables that go along with it, that, that that cost of buying that machine is not just the purchase price, but it's also the interest that you pay on the money you've borrowed. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that they're not just paying insurance from me as a provider. They're paying insurance on the whole entire business. They forget about somebody's got to pay for the lights. Somebody's got to pay for snow removal. Somebody's got to pay for air conditioning. Somebody's got to pay for janitorial services. And I think that's why I encourage business owners to have more conversations with their employees so that they really think, wow, there's a lot that goes into this other than just me treating a patient mm-hmm. that I hadn't even thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what makes, you mentioned you wanted to, to get into this and because I'm curious to hear what your answer is. What, what makes these, these injectors that are, that are, I, so, so there's there's two parts to this question. I want to know what makes a good injector, like what, what those ones that become very successful and and make two hundred plus a year and are bringing in a million plus for for their practices. Um, and then I also want to transition after that into into from the practices standpoint, because is how do they keep those people? Because the, it's the number one, not the number one, but one of the major criticisms I get from inject from business owners in this industry is, oh my God, I, my, all, I'm worried about my injectors leaving. That's all I want. They want to build up their business and then they go somewhere else. So let's start uh-huh. with the first part, the, 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 the rock star injectors that are out there. And I find it very interesting that they tend to, to be loyal to their practice too, which I think is, uh-huh. is interesting, but talk, talk about that, uh, how the rock star injectors get to where they are. What are the characteristics that, that, that they possess? Most of the rock star injectors are that way because, A, they are voracious learners and educators. They want to continually know. They want to continually improve their skills. And they want to make sure that they have the right knowledge level to be able to educate their patients and keep them safe. Um, And so that's absolutely far and away number one. The second thing that I see is they are such hard workers. They do not, I mean, I'm always shocked when I talk to a candidate and they, because one of the questions I ask is, tell me what the perfect job looks like. And I will have some people who say, I want to work four days a week. I only want to work nine to five. I don't want to take call. I don't want to have to go do any marketing. I want somebody to fill my schedule for me. I want to have an MA with me. And I'm like, well, then go back into therapeutic medicine because that's not going to happen in aesthetic medicine. Um, so the people who really do well in aesthetics are those who spend hours and hours and hours. You know, I would bet the best injectors in the country have probably spent 50-plus hours a week either training other people or learning and upgrading their skills while we've been out on this COVID time. So... Number one, they're voracious learners. Number two, they work incredibly hard. And number three, they really care about their patients and making sure that when their patients walk out the door Mm -hmm. that they love what they see in the mirror and they're comfortable telling somebody else. Um, I, I know there's so much on social media. You and I chatted about this earlier. 
but you know the injectors who are the best injectors in the world right now did not build their practices because they had pretty pictures on Instagram. Right. They built their practices because they did a great job, and the patients went out and told their friends, "You need to go see this person." Right. Right. So, what about from coming from the other side? Like, one of the things that that is is so difficult for practices is is keeping these injectors. Um, at least yeah. that's the perception. Now, I'm I'm not certain, you know, that that's necessarily the truth. If if you're compensating them well and you're honest with them and open with them, but how do you work with inject with practices to to how do you get them to work with injectors so that they stay and don't leave? That's such a good question, Alex, and, and that's something that, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about how you and I are even talking right now. It is a conversation for these people. They need to constantly, the injectors need to be open and be talking, and the uh, business owners need to be open and be talking, but I think it also is setting expectations. Um, one of the things that I always ask for before I start a search is to have a job description. Because one of the biggest areas of discontent that I see from business owners or from injectors is that the job evolves and the expectations evolve. And there is nothing set to be able to say, you know, if things are going to change, here's what the process is going to be. You know, if you've been an injector who's only doing injectables and now they want to to have you do body contouring devices also as an aesthetic provider. Mm-hmm. That needs to be something where instead of just saying, hey, you need to do this now, you need to sit down and say, you know, this was your original job description. I'd like to add this to what you're doing. How do you feel about that? Is that something you're comfortable taking on? Or do you think, you know, we need to bring somebody else in? And if we bring somebody else in, I might need to restructure comp just a little bit until we can build things up because of this investment I've made in the long-term success of the business. Now, if you have that that conversation at the beginning, it's going to be a really good way for that person to say, thank you, you let me be involved in this decision-making process and say yes or no, and then they will probably help. They may say, I know it's a great person, though, that you should bring one, um, and they're going to understand where the business is going. So many times you see the opposite. Right. The business owner just assumes that, oh, we're getting this, you need to add this to it. Or the person may say, well, I don't want to do that. But yeah, you don't have a conversation until after the fact, and then people get mad. So that's what I think happens, Alex. <laughs> it's just communication. Yeah, you're, you're, it's, it's communication and then educating yourself on the baseline factors that go into determining, yeah. you know, how to, how to keep an injector. I, I guess the, the, the flip side to that question is, uh, have you found from your study and from talks with injectors that you've worked with, are there certain characteristics of owners or businesses that, that, in, that injectors tend to like and will cause them to be loyal? Mm-hmm. Um, physicians who appreciate and respect their injector get really loyal injectors. Um, I encourage all of the physicians I work with and all of the injectors that I work with to understand that if you are a naive injector and you're getting a chance to go work in the aesthetic business, particularly if you get the chance to go work for a wonderful dermatologist or a plastic surgeon or a physician who's willing to train you, you need to understand up front 
that it's going to be two years before that physician is really probably going to get a return on investment of hiring a naive injector and training them. So I tell my naive candidates right up front, we're going to have a long interview process, and I want you to ask a lot of questions because if you take this job, I want you to stay here two to five years at least. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is what is the expectation set up front? And that's why sometimes when business is so busy, there's so few injectors that are out there, and people say, I want an experienced injector. And the experienced injector comes in and says, well, I have this expectation. And the physician or the business owner says, I have this expectation. And they're never on the same page. And so that doesn't create a situation of loyalty. The other thing I see a lot, um, and I see this, you know, especially with certain physician segments, they will call me and say, my injector just left. I need a new injector. Mm -hmm. I need you to find me somebody who has at least five years experience that has a book of business that they're going to bring to my practice and that they can work these days. And I always joke and I say, okay, do you want a job hopper or do you want somebody crazy? Because honestly, <laughs> that's probably all I'm going to be able to find you in your market. Yep. And, you know, I'm always very careful to tell physicians and business owners, I cannot tell you I'm going to find you an injector that's experienced and that's going to bring a book of business. Because the physician in most states owns those patients. And I, you know, if it's a nurse injector, they can't legally bring patients with them. So I always try to have the employer stop and rethink what do they really need. And that's where I go back and I try to go back to the job description. Right. And you're not just asking somebody to come in your practice. A lot of times what they're saying is, I just lost a lot of revenue and I need somebody to bring that revenue back to me. Right. And <laughs> if, if you've got somebody that's going to come to you because you're going to offer more money to them right now, they're also going to leave them the next time somebody else offers them more money. So the way to have that longevity and that loyalty is to create the parameters right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. What is the physician going to do in terms of training and helping support the new injector? What is the new injector going to do in terms of helping to support their own training? And what are they going to do in terms of loyalty? And what is the opportunity for making more money if the practice is growing and if the injector is bringing in more revenue? Is there opportunity? Yeah, we see that a lot, that a physician will bring in an injector at a very low starting compensation plan. The injector doubles, triples, quadruples the business and never gets any additional revenue from that business. And that can be very frustrating to an injector. Yeah. But the same thing, you see people who come in and say, I, they don't grow the injection business at all, and that's frustrating to a business owner who thought, well, thought you were going to build this practice. <laughs> yeah. So that's why communication is so important on both sides of the fence. Well, and, and also, and I'll just, I'll give you a big plug here. I mean, I think a big part of, of this is, is getting some of that baseline data that you're get that you're gathering through your, through your study, because it's, it's, you know, until we, we get some norms and we establish some norms, it's going to be tough for a true market to develop because everyone's kind of flailing around in the dark a little bit. Right. So, um, right. I think what you're doing is, is, uh, exceptional and it's great for the industry. And I encourage everybody to go check out your report and, and where can they find you? Uh, what's the best way to reach you or to, or to, to find your report or to get more information about, um, Titan aesthetic recruiting. Thank you. The website is www.titanesthetic.com. 
Um, and if you're wondering, it's Titan, like the Titans of the industry. Mm-hmm. Titan stands for Top Injectors Treating Anesthetics Now. And TitanAesthetic.com, if you click on Shop at the tabs at the top, you'll see um, the training classes we have available. You'll see the book that I wrote called Preparing to Be an Aesthetic Injector. You'll see the compensation report available there. And then we also have a business partners page similar to the marketplace that you have with AMSPA um, where we have different vendors that offer things that are available to support the aesthetic community. That's awesome. And we have a ton of information on our website about you as well. And we'll, we'll definitely have to get you to come back because there's so much to talk about. And you've got so much insight into this industry from your experience and what you've been doing. Um, and it's such a need. So, um, you know, I really appreciate you taking an hour out of your, your busy day to, to talk with me. And let's definitely, um, let's definitely work some more together. Cause I think what you're providing is exactly what, what we're trying to provide as far as resources for the industry. And so thank you very much for, for, for everything. Oh, thank you, Alex. I'm a fan of AMSPA and always have been since we started talking the very first time about illegal importation of injectables. So I love watching the success you've had and uh, would love to do whatever I can to help support AMSPA. And thank you so much for having me today. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Mary Beth Hagen, founder and CEO of Titan Aesthetic Recruiting. If you're new with us, we'd love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get AmSpa content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.